time there. You know what? I just feel really led. Thanks, Brian. I feel really led. Just declared that song and celebrated it. I just feel that we're not quite there yet. We just need to prepare our hearts a little more. So would you bow your head with me and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can come to this place. And on a cold and blustery day in November, Lord Jesus, we can gather in person and online to dive into your word and to declare these truths of who you are and, and of your goodness and of your nature and of your provision in our lives. And Lord Jesus, as we look into your word now, we just declare freedom in this place in Jesus' name. We pray and ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come upon us through your Holy Spirit that you would anoint this hour for the purposes of bringing you glory and your people joy. Give to us hope and encouragement. Stir our hearts and work in us, we pray. In Jesus' holy and precious name and all God's people said, amen. 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 One of the things that I love to do that many of you know, but some of you might not know, is that I love to go fly fishing. And for me, it's almost a spiritual activity. And stick with me as I tell you this. Uh, I love to go out and spend time in the mountains, smelling the air, seeing the beauty around me, and slowing down to spend time with my family and with God. For me, it's a spot that I've discovered in my life uh, that almost renews me. Actually, it doesn't almost. It does. It renews me. And, and it's almost like a promised land scenario where I can step into the space that God has created and have sweet company with Him. So coming out of COVID in the spring, uh, I... I wanted to, anyway, uh, get out to fish more this year. And as summer uh, seemed to come, uh, life just seemed to get busier and busier, and we didn't get out fishing this summer like we had planned. So when an opportunity came up this past fall to get away as a family, we jumped on it. We knew we had to take it. And as we looked at the week and started to plan out the schedule, I saw an opportunity on Wednesday where, where I could take a couple of our kids out and we could go fishing together as a family. Being that we were in Kimberley, rather than being gone for the whole day, like is what happens here in Lethbridge, uh, where we have to drive for a few hours to get to our spot, we were much closer to this promised land than we typically are. And so Tuesday, October the 18th, late at night, I bought the licenses and we did some research and we planned a trip on the St. Mary's River for the next afternoon. And on Wednesday, the next day, just after lunch, we headed out into the wilderness. And you know, I can't tell you, friends, that we were well prepared for what we were going to encounter that day. I didn't have bear spray. I don't have a gun license or a gun, so I didn't have that. All I had that day was a little bit of thunder and a little bit of lightning. <laughs> and as our youth pastor will someday find out, these are not entities that you want to mess with. It is brute old man strength, not just bulk. Dylan, by the way, I heard that you lost an arm wrestle at the Young Adults Retreat last weekend. That's too bad. But we went out anyways, and we had an amazing time. Almost instantly, though, we ran into an issue. Well, this river was world-class, a blue-ribbon river. There was lots of private land that surrounded it. And despite the fact that we were going to step into the promise of an amazing day, I began to become increasingly frustrated as we traveled back 15, 16, 17, 18 kilometers off the highway. And we had yet to find a spot where we could pull off. We were out of cell range. The map of my truck was shady at best. And really what laid ahead, we didn't know. 
And with kids in tow, I felt that I needed to be more responsible than I typically would have been by myself. And so I thought we can just go a little bit farther. And as we did, we came up to mile 20. And there uh, off to the side was a side road with a sign that indicated we had arrived to St. Mary's Regional Park. And there we found the spot we'd been looking for. The promised fishing hole. A lake with an outflowing river. Deep pools. The spot we'd been looking for. Shore access and an opportunity to fish as we desired to create memories and to create a passion for the wilderness and for sure to spend time with God on the river. Friends, as we've come out of of, uh, days that are are weary and hard and difficult, uh, I believe that for some of us, we're being tested in our faith. The endurance that we have historically held on to feels like it's worn down a little bit. And we need to discover, maybe in a fresh way, how to find hope and how to live into promise in these days that we live. We're continuing in the series called Passing the Baton. And as we do this morning, I want us to consider, in light of this passage that we're going to be studying through, how we can live with promise in our lives and how we can equip others to work with promise in life so that we can endure the the span of time or the days that we live in. I've called this sermon Enduring Faith, and today as we step into it, I want us to turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 21. And so if you have your Bibles or your devices or you're following online, you can click the Bible button and we can read through this together. Uh, We could spend all day together on this passage. We're not going to do that, but for the sake of our time this morning, we're just going to focus on verses 1 to 6. And as we do, we're going to dissect it and, and pick it apart for a few moments to learn how to live with endurance and to learn how to find hope in weary days. Genesis chapter 21, starting in verse 1, I'll read this for us, and we'll receive God's word together here today. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? He'd have borne to him a son in his old age. Friends, there is a promise that is fulfilled here in this passage. And if you go back into the earlier parts of Genesis, we see where God made this incredible promise to Abraham and to Sarah of the way that he was going to move in their lives in ways they never could have. And I think it's important for us to understand that just as God gave promises to his people in the early parts of Scripture, and indeed all through Scripture, God very similarly loves to show up in our lives and make promises to us and deliver on them here today. So I want to talk just for a moment about the way that God moves in our lives and the the, uh, sort of an overview of promise as we get into this. When God makes a promise in our lives, really there's two ways that he does it. There's what we would call general promises and then there's specific promises. And in the general sense, God makes promises to us when we come to him in faith. When we bow the knee, which is an expression we use here at University Drive Alliance Church, God works in our lives in the ways that he promised, in the way that he promises. When we become Christians, God promises to us an eternal life. 
Someday when we pass, we will go to heaven and we will spend the rest of eternity with him and with others who've made the same commitment. God promises to us reconciliation. He made a way for our sins to be forgiven so that we could live in relationship with him, with the almighty God of the universe. He's not some distant God who's out there. He is a God who through Jesus we can have a personal relationship with and who we can allow to touch our lives. God promises to us uh, forgiveness of our sins and he promises to deal with our sins uh, in, in ways that, we should, that should have been upon us or that we deserved, but instead Jesus bore the brunt of. And he also promises to us the Holy Spirit. These are general promises that God gives to us and general realities that we live in day in and day out. But also with this, God works in our lives in specific ways. And so very truly, God has given to many of us promises of ways that he will move in our lives. He, he promises things like health. He promises things like relationship. He promises things like provision. God loves to show up in the lives of his people. And this is what we see here. In verse 1, it says, Now God was gracious to Sarah, as he said. In other translations, like the English Standard Version, it says, Now God visited Sarah. And the word that's used there in the Hebrew is the word pakad. It's a word that infers or informs us that God loves to show up in the lives of his people. And when he does, he typically, if not always, uh, he typically moves in one of two ways. Either he brings judgment to correct a sin or, or an action that we've done in our lives, or he brings a blessing. God never squanders time that he spends with us. He loves to invest in our lives. And in every moment that he shows up, he accomplishes something. And he's faithful to this. At the end of verse 1, it says, um, And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised to do. He follows through on the commitments he makes to us. And in the general sense and in the specific sense, God uh, does what he says he's going to do. We're going to talk in a moment about timing. And so stick with me and wait for that. But let me say this. As we, as Christians, understand the way that God moves in our lives, it gives us great hope, doesn't it? And yet the reality of life is that sometimes, as we, as, as we understand that God loves to show up and he loves to move, when we come through hard seasons, like the one we've just been through, or maybe for you, and at times for me, in, the, in this past week even, there's moments where, despite the reality of how we know uh, how God moves in our lives, we can become weary or we can become discouraged. And we see here that God moved in an amazing way. He delivered on that promise. But sometimes those promises feel like, it, when we're given those promises, it feels like God has forgotten what he said he was going to do. Sometimes it feels like God is leaving us alone. Sometimes it feels like God maybe uh, isn't going to deliver like we thought or think that he should. And so I want to take a moment just to speak into that and speak about differentiating between promise and uh, principles in Scripture and how we can have perspective there to, uh, to have endurance and to endure in the faith and to help others to do the same. Throughout Scripture, if you go through, there's all sorts of promises that God makes to us. And we see an amazing one here that he gave to Abraham and to Sarah. Promises are amazing blessings in our lives. But sometimes we can lose heart of the fact that God speaks into our life through the scripture, but maybe what he's doing isn't giving to us a promise, but rather he's extending a principle. And let me illustrate. 
In the book of Proverbs, as we read through Scripture, there are very few promises uh, given, but there are principles that are extended to us. Here's the example I want to make. Proverbs 22.16, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is a principle that God gives to us in the book of Proverbs. And yet sometimes as believers or as a community, we've held on to that as a promise that God has given to us. Principles are great ways to live our lives. They're great ways that we should um, live day after day. And yet a principle is only a principle. It's not a promise. And so it's a really good thing that we raise our kids to know, love, and serve Jesus. It's a good thing to bring them to church. It's a good thing to send them to Kids Zone. It's a great thing to send them to youth ministries. It's a good thing to send them to summer camp and things like this, to do devotions in our home, to sing worship songs together. It's great to raise our kids in the way of the Lord, but it doesn't promise that our kids are going to embrace the faith for themselves. Right? Free will plays into that. And at some point, our kids are going to come to a spot where they will make a decision for themselves. And sometimes that's outside of our control. I've come to appreciate that if we can learn to discern and understand the difference between principle and promise, it will actually help us and fuel us to live with an enduring faith. It will help us to take heart when situations don't turn out like we think they should. Because the truth in front of us might not be a promise from God, but rather a really great way to live our lives. Now hear me when I say this. When we raise our kids to know, love, and serve Jesus, more often than not, they will choose to know, love, and serve Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But it's not a guarantee. Instead, the guarantees come when God makes a promise to us. And we might see a result instantly. We might see a result over the course of a journey. We might see the result on the other side of heaven. The promise or the guarantee is found in the promise. And sometimes, sometimes, we need to have discernment and understanding of when God's establishing a principle. Friends, I want to encourage us because it seems to me that in these days coming out of COVID that there's a weariness in the heart of the church and in the heart of our community. And I think we need to hear some good news. As much as we struggle with the current state of affairs, I want to encourage us that God hasn't forgotten us. The promise that he made to us is that he is, a, he is a personal God. He's our personal Savior. We've come into relationship with him. We walk with him daily. He will walk with us through the hard seasons of life and through the great seasons of life. He will deliver on those promises that he makes to us. And you know, I just want to say that in the past couple of weeks of preparing for today, I have been so uplifted. I've taken so much heart in the fact that God is still on the throne. He is blessing this world. He's moving in this world in ways that he's always promised to do. And we need to have perspective on what it is that God actually said he's going to do and how he's going to move. So very quickly, how do we do this? How do we differentiate between promise and principle? Well, let me say a couple things very, very quickly. The first thing is that we need to be in the word of God. We need to understand what God says. We need to understand how the Holy Spirit breathes into us through God's word. And as we understand that, we need to be able to measure it with other believers. We need to measure it in community. And so it's important that we have wise, godly counsel around us. It's important that we have um, either 
pastors or Bible study leaders or small group leaders or uh, older brothers and sisters in the faith that can come alongside and encourage us and help us when we're struggling to understand how God is moving or, or what God has promised to us. Having perspective on what God is actually saying has been so helpful to me, and I trust it'll be so helpful to you when we're living in these difficult days because it'll help us to gain perspective on what God is doing. Well, let's continue on here because I think verse 2 holds another incredible truth for us and, and, and it'll help us to develop an enduring faith and live with hope in our lives. Look at what verse 2 says here. It says, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that God had promised. Timing is important uh, a reality when it comes to developing an enduring faith or perspective on timing. Because I think for so many of us, we can lose heart when we believe that God has given a promise to us and then we're waiting for that promise to be delivered or we're waiting for that promise to show up. In the flesh, I think for so many of us, and I'm so guilty of this, friends, when I sense that God has something for me, I want it right now. I want to determine the timing. I want to determine the outcome. I want to determine uh, all of the pieces and have God move in my life right now. I'm an impatient person by nature. And what I discovered in reading this passage this week in a fresh reminder and in a fresh way is that God's already got all this sorted out. God's already determined when and how and if and why and all those big questions. He's already determined from the beginning of time in his sovereignty and his providence how he's going to deliver that promise. The problem, as Pastor Scott said a few weeks ago in our healing service, is one of an agenda versus expectancy. And when we can live with the latter, friends, when we uh, live with an expectancy that God is going to move, it takes off so much of the pressure that we create for ourselves. It takes off so much of the disillusionment and the discouragement when we sit with, a weight, when we sit with expectation and when we sit with a hope that God is going to move. In verse 2 here, it said there, and I tried to emphasize it, at the very time that God had promised. The Hebrew word there for very is the word moed. It's a word that speaks to the providence and sovereignty of God's much bigger plan for humanity and for our situations, that he's already got things figured out. And as much as God loves to move in our lives in a personal sense, in an individual sense, in the bigger picture of God's economy, he's doing so much more. So a couple of weeks ago, we had a healing service here at the church. And we got together, and it was an amazing thing. In the first service, I was kind of here in the middle of the floor. I was a floater to help direct people to different groups as we were waiting. And one of the coolest things that happened that has ever happened in my nine years here at the church, we had more people than groups uh, that needed to be prayed for. It was amazing. And so we quickly developed a couple of groups in the back, and we, we drew people in, and we said, hey, would you, would you pray with these people? And as we prayed, the question was simply this. What would you long to have Jesus do in your life today? And as people answered that question, we came together, and with open hands, we said, oh, Lord, would you move in our lives? And as we prayed, we, we had that expectant desire, that expectant hope that Jesus was going to show up. And here's the reality in that, friends. The reality is, is that Jesus can move in an instant. He can do a miracle right now. 
And, and sometimes he does. The other reality is that sometimes Jesus moves over the course of a journey. And so sometimes we pray and then people are, are set on a journey or they're placed on a journey where God will move in their lives in different ways. And sometimes God heals on the other side of eternity. The timing of that promise or the timing of that outcome isn't determined by us. The timing of that is determined by God himself. And very similarly in our lives, when, when God extends to us a promise, sometimes he delivers it in, the, in an instant. Sometimes it's the course of a journey. Sometimes it happens on the other side of eternity. But whatever God does, yes, he moves in our lives as individuals, but he also can move in, 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 the, in the scheme or in the span of the entire kingdom of God so that there's a greater impact and that lives around us are touched. As I said, it takes a lot of pressure off. We let God be God. He moves in his way. He moves in, in his time. And having the perspective that God has a set time to deliver on the promises that he makes. Not only does it take pressure off of our situations, but it helps us to endure. Because individually and then corporately, when we come to God as, as a group, like we did on that prayer, on that healing service, we look to Jesus together. And we hold out our hands. And much like that song we just sang, Jesus becomes our living hope. Friends, God is always at work in our lives. And when he moves instantly and over the course of a journey and on the other side of eternity, it also can become a testimony that we can share with others that will help not only ourselves, but others endure when God appears to not show up in the time that we expect. You know, I have to confess to you that one of the realities of fishing with Aaron is that uh, there's a lot of, of time in prayer on the river. I love to go fishing. I, in fact, I love to go uh, fishing by myself. And sometimes when I'm on the river, I'll confess to you that when, when the fishing's slow, the prayers get really desperate. Like, I don't confess my sins anywhere in the world like I do on the river. And it's like, okay, God, uh, I sped this last week and I shouldn't have. Or, okay, God, I got frustrated with my kids and I should have been more patient. And it just starts to digress from there to the point where I'm like, what do I need to do to have God show up and get fish to jump on my hook? And it hasn't quite come to this, but it's been darn close at times where I've been holding my body in different positions, hoping that maybe this is going to have an impact on God's timing and God's provision to put fish on the end of my line. But after almost 40 years of fishing, I've, I've discovered and I often forget that much like fishing and more importantly in life, God has already got this figured out. God blesses, God moves, God puts fish occasionally on the end of my line. But God always shows up. And I want to encourage you today that if you've been waiting for a promise, if you've been waiting for a delivery, if you've been waiting for whatever it is that you're waiting for God or you're waiting for from God, he hasn't forgotten your story. He isn't lost or he isn't given up on you. It could be that he's doing a greater work and in his perfect time and in his perfect way, he will answer that prayer. He will deliver you. He will set you free. He already has and he will continue to do that work. But he's going to do it in his perfect way. God's in the business of following through on his promises like we said. He loves to show up in the lives of his people. And as he does, 
we get to be a part of a much bigger plan where God is going to be faithful to deliver right when he always planned to do. Well, let's land this plane with what I've called the tension of promise by looking here at verses 6 and 7. Let's read this together. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. As I said before, this is the fulfillment of a promise that God made to Abraham a couple of chapters before. In fact, three times over the span of Genesis 17 to Genesis 21, God extends this promise to to Abraham and then to Sarah. And he promises that he's going to move in their lives. The final verse of our text today reveals this tension of Sarah's heart and the irony of her previous laughter of disbelief in Genesis 18.12 to the point now where her current laughter is that of joy. It's here that we see how Sarah shows the resolution of her tension that likely has existed her whole life. If you go back to uh, chapter 18, you can... You can read about this tension. Let's go back. Uh, 18, 12. It says, So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and old, my Lord is old, and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? And you can sort of feel this tension that's probably been building Sarah's entire life as she's waited for a child. Probably in her 90s. This, for this woman's whole life, she's watched as others around her have experienced the blessing of a family. And when people in her community uh, were able to give birth, when people in her community were able to raise their kids, when they were playing with their kids in the streets, Sarah maybe was inside her home silently weeping, longing for God to show up. When Sarah watched those kids grow, they became adults and they got married. When those kids grew older yet, they had their own children. And those families became grandparents and grandmothers and grandfathers. And Sarah silently watched and silently suffered as she saw God move in the lives of others. And she just thought, oh Lord, when is my time going to come? And maybe your story, friends, isn't childbirth. Maybe there's another thing that you've been holding on to that your whole life, God is, or you've been waiting on God to deliver you from and deliver you for. And I just want to say to you, don't lose heart. Don't lose perspective. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up because this is a place that Satan loves to whisper shame into our lives. These are moments that God loves to journey with us in and he loves to bless in and he loves to help in. And it's an area that God loves to move in despite the suffering that takes place. Here's the point that I want to make in this this morning. Just as there's a larger work in the timing of God, I believe there's also a great blessing that happens when we invite people into our story and allow them to watch God work in our lives. So look what Sarah says here in verse 6, or verse 7 rather. No, I'm sorry, it's verse 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Reality is, is that God loves to show up in our lives. And as he loves to show up, he loves to move in our lives. And he loves to move in our suffering. And he loves to move in our blessing. And I think we need to be careful in, when we're in these seasons that we don't just hold on to these things ourselves and suffer silently. I really believe that it's the tool of the devil to hold us in isolation. 
And I'm convinced of this as we go back to Genesis chapter 3 in the story of the fall when, when, um, when Adam and Eve sinned against God. What did they do? They went into isolation and they hid. And God put, or sorry, that's wrong. Satan put shame over them. He held shame over their heads as they had broken their promise to God. And they covered themselves. And similarly, as we suffer through life, friends, Satan, if we're, if we're not careful, can put shame over us and he can force us into isolation where we can be um, held down by ourselves and held down alone. And I don't think this is part of God's plan. Similar to how Sarah would have suffered through life. Somehow and in some way, it doesn't say here, but it infers it. She invited people into her story and she invited people to be a part of the blessing that was going to come. And I want to encourage you that we can do the same. As we've believed God for a promise and there's that span of time between when the promise is given and when the promise is delivered, that can be a really hard season of life. And I want to say to us, because especially in Canadian culture, we have a propensity of not wanting to bother others. And we can hold that into ourselves. But I think in God's economy, there's an opportunity for us to open the doors. And I don't mean you have to come up on the stage and confess your sins of standing in the river and holding your body in a certain way to maybe catch fish. I mean that we can have a couple of people around us that can journey with us, that we can invite into our story, that we can say, you know what, Satan, forget it. I'm going to invite others in, and together we're going to hold our hands open and say, oh, Lord, would you move in my life, or would you move in our lives? And we're going to look to you together as a community here today. Friends, let's go back to the beginning. In Genesis 1, where God uh, speaks the Hebrew word pakad, where God shows up in the life of Sarah. Very similarly, God loves to show up in our lives here today. The promise is still true. And as he does, I want to say to us as the Christian assembly and the body of Christ here online and in person that we need to invite people into that story because as we do, there will be a greater kingdom impact and a greater kingdom work that will be passed forward than if we just quietly suffer by ourselves. As we gather people around, whether it's a few or many, God will move in that. And together as we look to God, we will develop endurance and faith and perspective. We will, uh, we will gain heart and understanding into the work that God is doing. It's important to be seen and known by others. It's important to share in life together. And as we do, God will build his kingdom. He will strengthen the saints he will help us to step up and step out, even in days where the devil would love to hold us down. Yes, there's a tension. Yes, life is hard. Yes, we will suffer. But when God sets us free from that, we can celebrate as a community in the suffering and in the blessing in the way that God is going to move. That day that we went fishing wasn't the promised uh, fishing hole or honey hole or old man, as we sometimes call it, that I had hoped for. We got out on the river in that first spot at St. Mary's Reservoir and, uh, and, and, or in St. Mary's Lake. And you know what? It was a lousy spot. The water was perfect. And yet, uh, through my polarized glasses, I didn't see a single thing moving in the water. 
Jane and Adrian found some old abandoned car and they brought home some rusty old oil cans from that place. But that first spot didn't deliver. So we packed up the car and, uh, you know, without their mother knowing, we headed deeper into the wilderness. As we headed deeper into the wilderness, a couple miles upstream, we found another turnoff. And this is where we landed. In the middle of the river. There was another guy fishing there and we went around him. And as we got around him, we found the perfect spot and the fish started to jump. And Jaden would tell you that I caught his fish that day. But really, we had a time together. And what got accomplished on that day of fishing was so much more than what it would have been if we'd stayed home or if I'd gone by myself. That day we talked as a family about things that we needed to talk about. That day we, we leapt with excitement as, as this fish jumped onto my line. Should have been Jaden's, but it was mine. We took pictures. We had fun. And for me that day, as the kids were busy doing different things, there was time that I had in the river, not necessarily pleading with God to put a fish on the end of my line, but just allowing him to breathe into my soul and remind me of the promises that he'd been given. And I didn't appreciate how important it was until a couple of days later. A couple of days later, the following Monday, we were here at the church as a staff and some of the elders, and we were in the gym uh, attending a conference, an online conference together. And one of the speakers said, uh, God, something along the lines of, God loves to show up in your life, and I want you to think back in your mind's eye of a recent time when God has shown up and blessed you. And my mind immediately went back to this spot. And in this spot... Jesus reminded me of who I was in him. He reminded me that I was the son of God, that I was a chosen child, that I was loved, that I was forgiven, that I was cherished. God did a work that day in my heart that I didn't even fully appreciate in that moment, but upon reflecting back, it lifted me, it encouraged me, and it blessed me. And quite honestly, in the weeks that have followed, I felt a lift. I felt an endurance. I felt hope in my faith again. Because God showed up in the midst of my story in his perfect way and in his perfect time. And he spoke into my life. And he helped me. And he blessed me. And maybe that's what the promise was that God wanted to give to me that day. The promise of standing in the river was the presence and the person of Jesus who was there with me. And in days that are really hard, friends, I would encourage you to look back in your mind's eye to the spaces and places where God has shown up. And and as he has shown up, what are the things that God would love to say to you? Because can I encourage you that one of the best ways that we gain endurances of faith is to appreciate the promise of God's presence in our lives. It's to appreciate that God is working things out in our life in his perfect way, in his perfect time. And it's to understand that we don't have to just go through life alone. We can share in the tension together. Because God's still in the business of delivering on his promises. He's still in the business of showing up. He's still in the business of blessing us. Even when the world around us at times makes us feel like we're forgotten or we're alone. Can I assure you that as we share in life together today, we will see the hand of God move. We can and will pass the torch to others. And we can take heart and stay strong in the faith as we live in these days.
I'm going to invite Dylan to come forward, and as he comes, we're going to enter into a time of communion. As we share in this time of communion, these are great places where we can embrace and where we can celebrate the promises that God has given to us, the general ones and the specific ones. And as we share these promises, can I, and as we, as we gather around this table, can I encourage you to reflect? Can I encourage you to consider? Can I encourage you to be blessed and be uplifted? That God is still on the throne. He's still moving. He's still blessing. And he's still at work in our lives.